0: This is Unfiltered, episode 158, for September 16th,
1: 2015. In fact, a follow-up segment tonight, charges the Obama administration misled the American public about the ISIS threat. Last week, the Daily Beast reported more than 50, 50 analysts working for the U.S. Central Command, CENTCOM, have complained that their reports on ISIS were altered, possibly by White House direction. Is that true?
0: Welcome to Unfilter, episode 158 of Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show that's distracting you from all of that TV you shouldn't be watching. Episode 158's a big one this week. Not only is it my last one in studio before I hit the road, but we are packed and loaded full of so many things to cover this week. Mr. Chase is out. He's on assignment. I'll have more about that later in the week. But we should start this week, as we always do, in the cyber realm. Now, as we follow all these different stories on the Unfilter show, we kind of stack them up throughout the week and we say, what story? is really going to make history. Like, if you look back from a month from now and you listen to episode 158 of The Unfiltered Show, would the stuff we talk about actually have mattered? And that's always kind of our benchmark for this show. And so this week, because we had to cram in some extra uh, extra clips because we weren't able to make a show episode happen last week, we've really gone through and tried to sort of hyper-focus on some of these things. And I'm mentioning this at the top of the show because otherwise I'll be saying this throughout the entire episode, so I'm just going to say it once. Every single subject we cover today has has extensive more clips in the supporter sync. If you're an unfiltered supporter, go grab episode 158 this week from the full BitTorrent sync. There are so many great extra resources, so much extra good supporting documentation in these clips. I want to say it now so I can say it once. That way I don't have to say it after every single time we go through something. We just keep on moving. So let's start with cyber because this is the big story all the time, especially one that starts, that crosses over for a primary interest in the Jupiter Broadcasting audience. And this OPM hack continues to be a big deal. And one of the aspects of the OPM hack that continues to really, really be a big deal is this cross-examination of the data, which is where our first clip takes us this week. <laughs>
2: A treasure trove of highly sensitive U.S. intelligence stolen in a data breach could be used to target government employees. This according to a private IT security firm telling Fox News that information is being stored by Chinese operatives for a Facebook-like network. Now what's that about? Chief Intelligence Correspondent Catherine Harris, live in D.C. on this. Catherine, how could they use this information?
3: Well, Bill, Fox News has confirmed that the same Chinese entity that was behind OPM was also behind the theft of records from at least two health care providers earlier this year, Anthem and Care First.
0: now, what's interesting is I don't think any of these are actually on the record. So would these technically be considered leaks?
3: If you combine the security clearance applications from OPM with the personal information in a healthcare file, you have a nearly complete profile of government employees who work in national security. And a leading IT company analyzing the fallout says the data is being stored by Chinese operatives for targeting, blackmailing, and recruitment purposes.
0: Why not name the leading IT company? Is it FireEye? Why not say their name?
3: And what they call a Facebook of everything. The company warns that the OPM data breach is likely only the tip of the iceberg as both U.S. government and private industry interests are under constant cyber attack by China and Russia.
1: The Chinese really are aggregating all this personal information, not just on the 21 million people affected in the OPM breach, but really almost every American that has signed up for health insurance.
0: So if this data is available on the dark web or wherever people are buying it from on these transaction sites, we've talked about these on TechSnap before. I would not be surprised at all to learn that the United States government, at least some division of it, is buying these same records and doing these same cross-examinations against American people, too. Maybe the NSA, for example. I mean, it's public information. They've stated that if it's public information, they can get access to it.
1: And they're creating sort of the Facebook of everything, where all this personal data, financial data, is now available for them.
0: It's Facebook of everything. You notice that's the third time they've said that, but it doesn't even make any sense.
3: President Obama said just at the end of last week that he's going to raise this issue of the cyber theft with the Chinese during their upcoming visit bill.
2: A lot of people think they could be used as blackmail victims. Quickly, is there a quick fix for the government employees had their data stolen, Uh, Kathy?
3: Well, according to a law enforcement source close to the investigation, the scope of the information stolen with the security clearance applications is a generational problem. Simply put, the credit monitoring is not going to be enough and that the information in the files, especially those related to family members and their kids, could be used uh, as leverage against them decades into the future bill.
0: Thank you, Catherine. Catherine Herridge, more I'm that welcome. to come soon. Thanks. A generational problem. A generational problem. Wow. Now, here's a report. We'll just play a little bit of it. Uh, you know, actually, I'll, I'm not going to say it. Uh, I'm not going to say it. We'll keep on moving because, yes, we have a lot to talk about, and I don't well. Well, all right. I'm going to play a little. I just, I, these people, the, this particular panel drives me crazy, but I, the, I want us to pay attention to the language here.
4: Welcome to Bias Bash. I'm Lauren Green. You know, it may be ironic, but Hillary Clinton's computers may have actually been safer than the U.S. government's. Of course, she did not intend for it to be that way. Is this potentially an argument, though, that Hillary's camp could use to defend her actions? Here with reaction and media analysis is Bureau Chief of Talk Radio News Service and a Fox News contributor, Ellen Ratner. Hey, Ellen. So, safer than the government's?
5: You know, it's interesting, because in 2014, the State Department was hacked. Well, they don't necessarily say it was hacked. They say there was activity of concern. That was the state department. But then if you look at some of the other ones, well we know the office of personnel management was hacked and just tons and tons of data was stolen.
0: Now remember, a hack in these in like the state department case what she's talking about uh, was, if I'm recalling from our TechSnap coverage, was a breach of their CMS. Low-hanging, uh, su- super easy, not that hard to do kind of breach. And they didn't get access to any private network data. If you recall that, they were only got access to public network data.
5: On people, on who they talked to, on foreign people that they talked to. Mm-hmm. We also know that the Department of Commerce was hacked. We know that the Defense Department was hacked.
0: Same thing. The Defense Department, only their public section was hacked. Their private emails were not hacked. This And again, a hack is a... I mean, I mean, okay, I'll, go, I'll roll with it. Uh, it's, it. It almost feels like <clears throat> if I can put a really crazy long URL against your WordPress installation and get access to your database, it almost doesn't feel like a hack. But all right, obviously, okay, by their standards, it's a hack. All right, we'll accept that. But th- w- th- what they're not differentiating in any of this, as she's sitting here rattling off this list that she's obviously reading as she's counting them, is the scale. These are minor, minor, with the exception of the OPM breach. These have been minor violations. In fact, this the reason why we haven't really seen any major reaction, because they've all been in the public networks, low-hanging CMS fruits. They've been weak attacks.
5: The National Weather Service, people might say, who care about the National Weather Service? But what about those satellites sure, up there sure. in the sky?
0: Yeah, what about them that are not connected to the CMS or any of those systems at all? You see how average, like, she's a she, she handles talk radio news. She's got no idea. There's no way they were going to get in from the WordPress installation or the Drupal installation or the Bad Exchange installation or whatever the heck they got that time and leap over to the satellite system. That's not how computers work. That's the same. That is the same logic. This is because you can modify the router on a Wi-Fi network on a plane or you can get uh, you can access a Wi-Fi network on a plane when you shouldn't be able to. So you can shut off the engines on a plane as if those two networks are like connected together at the switch running over IP.
5: Uh, so and Department of Energy was hacked and they actually had to shut down people using the Internet while they figured out what was going on. So
0: They turned off Internet access for their employees. (laughs) Okay, that seems reasonable if you've had really crappy precautions and you don't have proper logging and auditing. Yeah, okay.
5: Obviously Hillary Clinton did not intend for her (laughs) computer to be safer, but the media isn't looking at all the hackings that have gone on in the federal government and perhaps... Inadvertently, Hillary Clinton's home uh, server was safer than perhaps the State Department. Inter-
0: perhaps the media realizes that these hacks have been total crap. And by the way, by the way, who, who says the media hasn't been covering this? Has she not listened to a single episode of Unfiltered? That's almost all they talk about.
4: And why wouldn't they have just kind of come out with that in the beginning? That Would, have that, would that have been a safer excuse than, I'm sorry, I did, just didn't realize what was going
0: on. It
5: might have been a safer excuse, uh, but... Uh, then she would be asked, I think, as Secretary of State, well, what did you do to prevent the hacking?
0: See, this is so sloppy. They're so they are so desperately trying to make this a, a Hillary story. It just I couldn't stand it any further than that. But I wanted to play that bit for you because it's you know it it is sort of it is infuriating to see how these stories get spun into these great monstrous stories. And now how bad hacking is. Speaking of stories that are monstrous and super bad, uh, since we were last on the air, it was September 11th, and uh, there is so much coverage on September 11th. You can look at this clip list; it's crazy. Uh, but there was a couple of things I wanted to mention. So there's a this. I don't know if this Fox News clip is trying to rub it in our face, like how 9-11 has been used to totally bring in a uh, police state and totally exaggerate the need for the war on terrorism. I'm not sure if they're, if they're trying to rub it in our face, but then they transition into something that I think betrays the, – the, the, well, I think it betrays the fundamental strategy behind ISIS. That was your cue, Fox News. Go. Oh, there you go.
6: On this day of remembrance, the National Archives is releasing never-before-seen photos from inside the White House on 9-11-2001. This one was taken inside the President's Emergency Operations Center. Here is then-President George W. Bush with Vice President Cheney showing him weighing the challenges of consoling and defending the nation. Also, we see National Security Advisor Condoleezza Rice and Secretary of State Colin Powell. Fourteen years later, we are still at war with terror. Now on a bigger battlefield that includes new enemies like ISIS. Chief Washington correspondent James Rosen live at the White House with more. James, John, good afternoon. As we mark the anniversary of the terrorist attacks of September 11, and
0: now I catch this weird transition. It doesn't really make sense, but it's like Fox. This is when their early reporting on the story was awkward. Like they didn't quite know how to fit this
6: in, and especially on 9/11. With it, the dawn of what has come to be known as the war on terror, it is more critical than ever, with al-Qaeda and ISIS now in business, and in the case of ISIS controlling large swaths of territory in Syria and Iraq, that the commander in chief have access to good, solid intelligence about how to counter that terrorist threat. I'm like, yeah, of course it does. I'm like, where is it going with this? However, this week has brought news that apparently more than 50 intelligence analysts within CENTCOM The Pentagon Combatant Command that oversees the war on terror in the Middle East have formally complained about the intelligence reports that they are putting forward on ISIS being sanitized.
0: Now, you heard in the intro clip, uh, these 50 different analysts and intelligence people come forward and they're complaining
6: that the reports are being changed as they make their way up the chain to the commander-in-chief. The administration has confirmed that the Pentagon inspector general is now investigating this matter. Today, the White House spokesman Josh Earnest said President Obama retains confidence in his intelligence services. I asked if that means that he retains confidence in the intelligence that he's received about ISIS over, say, the last six months. That Josh Earnest declined to say, citing the pending investigation. Let's look about what he had to say when I asked him about the last
1: six months. The president has been quite clear about his insistence that here in the United States that we're going to confront our challenges head on, and we're not going to bury our head in the sand, and we're not going to be looking for uh, best-case scenarios.
6: Ernest was also asked, are we winning against ISIS? He cited progress and setbacks. Wouldn't say directly that we're winning in the conflict against ISIS. John.
0: All right. So let's continue on this thread for a second, because I think this is a really, really huge deal. And uh, I want you to understand maybe this quick this clip very quickly tells you what is being changed. And then we're going to go to our good friend, Mike Morrell, on why it's a big deal. You remember him. He ran the CIA for a while. Now, he still works for the CIA, but says he pretends he works for CBS. But before we get to that, let's see exactly what was changed in these reports and why it's actually a huge freaking deal.
5: We're in the wake of the scathing report about the spies saying that someone is changing the ISIS intelligence, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer says three parts of the intelligence are being manipulated
2: there's three areas that are being manipulated, according to my sources. First, the battle damage assessment. Uh, that is to say, when we go and bomb ISIS, the results of those bombings are being overly emphasized as successful, and they're not. So this is the first key to where things are being manipulated. Secondly, the actual conclusions of the reports, and some of these things are voluminous. they are talking, We're talking about inches deep. The actual content may not necessarily be
0: changed, but the conclusions are. Right, and third go. and most importantly, as these analysts, let me be very clear this. These are are good analysts. He's- I love the. I love just the uh, the heartfelt. This is in all of the clips we have when they talk about this. Just this heartfelt understanding and compassion for these poor CIA analysts who just want to do the best job possible, and the mean administration is altering their work, and they they shouldn't be doing that. These are good analysts. These are analysts who are trying to do their job. They're trying to be clear, concise, and truthful
2: in their assessments. What's happening is, is when they nominate information to targeting, let's say they pick a target to be nominated to go kill it or de- degrade it, uh, it's being
0: deleted from the targeting package, and we're not attacking right. the hard targets we should be going after. So, is- now- so they're deleting targets. Now, it goes way, 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 way. Worse than that. And this is why these intelligence officials stepped forward. Because they're deleting like actual important leaders of ISIS or IS or Dash, and they're instead replacing them with Twitter trolls. You know, people who supposedly are encouraging or inspiring ISIS related activities in the US over Twitter. They're changing their targets to those guys and the propaganda kings that they call. Then they then they release these press statements saying how the propaganda artist of ISIS has been droned. And instead of going after a leader, they go after some guy who had 25 followers on Twitter. And the Pentagon's pissed. That thing we've been noticing on the show for weeks and weeks and weeks, yeah, the Pentagon noticed, too. The Pentagon noticed, too. And it's not just that. They're also making the reports sound like they're better, like, they're, like, this, like the bombings have been more successful. And uh, the CIA is not happy about this, as Mike Morrell is going to tell us. So these are analysts at the U.S. Central Command, uh, CENTCOM, um, which is actually conducting our operations in Iraq and Syria, Um, One of the central tenets, one of the key aspects of the policymaking process in the United States is that analysts get to say what they think without any interference, without anybody changing it. So this is a very, very serious charge. You get the sense the CIA really hates it when people don't do what they say. You get the sense maybe the CIA is running the show. Remember how Clapper just lied? Remember how Clapper said, no, we don't spy on American citizens. He just lied under oath. And then nothing happened to him? And remember how all of these reports, all of these reports go through him? Changing it. So this is a very, very serious charge. I think it needs to be fully investigated. And if there is truth that somebody has been meddling with their analysis, I think... uh, um, I think somebody needs to lose their job over it and there needs to be full transparency into this because this is so
1: important that analysts actually get to say what they really think.
0: Mm, It's so important that analysts get to say what they actually think. And so what is it that analysts actually think that maybe we're not going after the right people? We're not targeting the right people. Why would we be changing that? Why would we be changing that? What would be the reason to change that? Would it be because maybe we don't want to actually kill the top leaders Would it be because maybe the top leaders work for us and our allies? Would it be because we want ISIS to topple the Assad regime and split Iraq up into a three-state country? Could that be why? Could it be because it's giving us leverage and pressure against Russia? And so if we actually degraded ISIS after a year, by the way, of an air campaign, now it's been a year. Could it be maybe that's why we're not doing it? I'm trying to figure it out. I honestly can't quite – I can't wrap my head around why we would not be actually destroying and killing. Why are we just doing these random bombings? The only thing I can figure is because the top brass doesn't want us to actually kill the right targets. To me, it kind of makes – so in the show notes, I have copious amounts of links just on this topic. Basically link after link after link that shows financial ties, arming ties, all of that, CIA training, all of that that's been going on for years – it basically links the U.S. to the creation of ISIS. It doesn't really seem like a conspiracy after you look at all of the links and all the documentation. And then you see that they're getting clear analysis from our intelligence officials on who to target, and then they're changing it. And then they're altering the report saying that their targets were actually better than the ones they originally targeted. So it's not a big deal. And, of course, James Clapper, when questioned, said they were, I think he said – I think he actually used the S-word. I think he said they're bullshit. These charges are bullshit. When Jake, because apparently James Clapper is is completely unanswerable to anybody. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to answer to anybody. Uh, here, this this clip goes in a little more detail.
4: So a top intelligence official is denying reports that the government is cooking the books on ISIS to make it look like the fight is going better than it really is. A story that surfaced in the British newspaper The Guardian by its national security editor, Spencer Ackerman, specifically pointed to the director of national intelligence, James Clapper.
0: See, all these reports have to go through Clapper.
4: DNI Clapper sticking to his guns, writing in an email, quote, Ackerman's Guardian article is fictional BS, he says. Whatever flaws I have, politicizing intelligence is not one of them.
0: And then he just leaves it at that. Now, this happens on September eleventh. This hasn't gotten a lot more attention since then. It just kind of has faded away as a story in the press. But to me, it's kind of outrageous because it suggests that the administration is altering intelligence. And we know where that's gotten us. Not a good sign. So I want to talk about Russia a little bit. Why well, I mentioned it there for a second, and Syria. This is a good segue into that section of the world because... The tensions there are getting extremely, extremely amped up right now. Apparently, Russia has been caught red-handed arming up the Assad regime. Now, depending on your coverage, they're either hand-in-hand with the Assad regime or they're just sending them some guns. Stand by. I'm going to give you both sides of that
3: argument. U.S. intelligence says Russia is sending tanks and other armor to Syria, possibly in an effort to shore up the regime of Bashar al-Assad. A U.S. official says the new reports are troubling. Until now, there was only evidence that Russia was building housing at a new base on Syria's Mediterranean coast. NPR's Tom Bowman reports. The
2: Russian armaments and equipment began arriving at the base by ship and plane in the last few days. So far, they include at least a half dozen tanks, a U.S. official tells NPR. Other Russian arms include at least three dozen armored personnel carriers and more than a dozen towed artillery. This is the first evidence of weaponry at the base at Latakia, where construction of base housing is underway for as many as 1,500 personnel. Secretary of State John Kerry has been pressing Russia to help end Syria's civil war and come up with a transitional government. But officials worry that the new Russian moves are an effort to prop up the Syrian regime which is pulled back in the face of advances by the self-proclaimed Islamic State.
0: Now, remember, it was Putin and, and Moscow that swooped in and helped uh, Assad get out of that tight spot over the chemical weapons that the U.S. had them in, and it was Putin who helped advise them and talk everybody down, and it was Russia that dis- that, dis- um, that got rid of their chemical weapons. So they've been working for quite a while now, but this is a whole other level of cooperation and support from Russia.
2: Here's State Department spokesman John Kirby. These are questions that should be posed to Moscow,
5: exactly what their goal here is in the long run. It certainly appears as though they are continuing to support, and perhaps even with additional assets, the Assad regime.
2: Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov said over the weekend that their armaments will continue to flow into Syria, along with Russian technicians who will train Syrian personnel how to use the weapons. Tom Bowman, NPR News. Washington.
0: Now, of course, Russia's excuses. Well, look, they have to fight ISIS. ISIS is in Syria. Don't you want us to stop ISIS? And they're also supposedly working with China and Iran on that. But here's the other side of that story. So there's one version of Russia is working to arm Assad. That's a pretty, pretty bold claim. But it seems to be one that the Russian government's kind of saying, yeah, that's what we're doing. Then there's the other take, the Fox News take on the situation. And sometimes they get it right. And sometimes, well, they get a little excited.
1: Breaking news, and just in, President Obama said moments ago that Russia's troop buildup in Syria is, quote, doomed to failure. The remarks at the president's town hall meeting with the the military members there. The president said his administration will keep the pressure on Russia as that country continues to send troops to Syria. This comes as we get word that the Russians are not just helping Syria's murderous dictator. They're now co-leading the bloody war against the Syrian men, women and children. That from intelligence official to our team at the Pentagon which today broke news of a secret deal involving Russia, Syria and Iran. We've reported on the buildup of Russian troops and supplies in Syria, something that has American officials so concerned. The Secretary of State John Kerry called his Russian counterpart twice this week. Now we're learning that more about what's behind this Russian troop surge. Intelligence officials tell Fox News the buildup began days after a secret meeting in Moscow between Iran's military commander and the Russian president, Vladimir Putin. Our Jennifer Griffin first exposed that meeting back in August. Now, intel sources tell us parts of that meeting involved Iran and Russia teaming up to support the Syrian dictator Bashar al-Assad. Now, this is Fox making this connection. Of course, he's the ruthless leader who's killed hundreds of thousands of his own people, who's murdered innocent families with poisonous gas. According to one human rights watchdog, the death toll in Syria's civil war is closing in on a quarter million people.
0: What is the U.S.'s responsibility if it's found that we're even partially responsible for sparking that civil war, even just partially? What's what's our responsibility in that?
1: Now the killer behind it all is getting a big boost thanks to his pal, Vladimir Putin. Jennifer Griffin with the news in Washington. Jennifer, the president went on to say that he believes that this is a sign that Assad is getting more and more nervous that he's losing this conflict and reaching out to the Russians for help. But if they are helping, that's a problem, isn't it?
4: Well, Shepherd, Western intelligence wasn't quite sure at first why the shadowy Iranian Quds Force commander, Qasem Soleimani, had gone to meet the Russian defense minister and President Vladimir Putin in Moscow on July 24th. We were the first to report it, as you mentioned, but our sources told us it was at the time it was to discuss arms deals, even though Soleimani was barred by U.N. sanctions from traveling. Now, multiple Western intelligence sources tell us that the Russian military buildup that we're seeing right now in Syria is the the result of that meeting.
0: Multiple sources, so multiple leaks.
4: And that the two sides discussed working together militarily to bolster Assad. The Pentagon has traced, has tracked an eighth Russian Antonov transport plane landing in Syria just today alone. Shepard.
1: Hey Jennifer, any official reason for this Russian escalation in Syria and the partnership with Iran?
4: Well, the official reason the Russians say they've been doing deals with Syria for quite some time. What we've learned is that there are now at least 1,000 Russian fighters sent to Syria in recent days. These are not advisors. Even Ukraine's president has expressed alarmed.
0: These
7: days, green men are landing in the hundreds in Syria.
0: I love this guy. All right. So there's the two different takes on it. And I could let them finish. But I think you get the idea. It's obviously going to build up massive tensions between the U.S. and Russia, even uh, because it sounds like Russia is indeed arming them. And, uh, they, and uh, the U.S. wants Assad out. That's kind of what NATO wants. Let's talk about ISIS uh, and Syria a little more before we completely get off the topic. Uh, I thought this was really an interesting inst- intro, um, well, I guess it's not really an interview. It's so you're probably familiar with this if you watch the show for a while. But the U.S. State Department has a daily briefing with the press, and they get to ask questions that uh, you know, are for the different papers. And uh, one of our favorite reporters there is Matt from the AP, and another one is uh, the Russia Today gal, who, the Burnett. She's a uh, uh, Chickacala. I can't actually remember the pronunciation of her name, but those two are so great. And they there was a great exchange during the uh, daily briefing that really shows uh, some interesting insights into the U.S.'s uh, Syria policy.
6: The U.S. State Department faced some tough questions at the press briefing on Tuesday. Washington has been trying to prove that the U.S.-led coalition against Islamic State has been effective. RT's Garnetje Jacan reports.
1: Are you concerned at all that Russia is trying to create its own coalition that is also an anti-ISIL coalition? but is at the same time a pro-Assad coalition.
0: This ad, that was Matt from the AP, and that's what we just discussed. That's exactly what uh, Russia appears to be doing, talking with China and Iran.
5: There's no need for another international coalition against ISIL when 60-plus nations are already aligned and having an effect against ISIL.
7: In Washington, we hear the same categorical position. The Assad government and the Syrian army cannot be a partner in the fight against ISIL. A Russian journalist asked the State Department,
5: why? He can't be a partner in the coalition uh, to go after ISIL because he's a major reason they're there.
0: Now, see, that is, we know that's not true. We know that's not true. You could you can argue that you know he's a horrible dictator. You can argue that he's a horrible person, and that you know he's caused a civil war. But they did not bring in ISIS. The conditions of Syria made it possible for ISIS to flourish. But we armed and funded ISIS. We dropped weapons out of the sky for ISIS and, and send them weapons through Libya. That we did. The the Assad regime had nothing to do with them, and the reason why we don't want the the Assad regime helping us fight them, even though they have been, is because we want ISIS to help us take him out. He's ISIS is there to cause the instability for the regime to fall and to create the international pressure to make it happen. So that way, by the time this gets there, we demand Assad comes down. Internationally, everybody demands Assad step down. The pressure is too high, and ISIS is a key key component in ramping that pressure up. They're there. Many
7: people in my part of the world believe that the reason for uh, the ISIL existence is the policy of regime change uh, that is pursued by uh, the U.S. and uh, the American allies. Uh, What is your response to that? I'm
5: not going to dignify that with an answer. (laughs)
0: It's- <laughs> Let's play that again You know if anybody wanted to clip that out And submit that up to SoundCloud And put it on the subreddit I'd love that Let's play it one more time Get your recorder ready Because that is a classic response Because it's dead on You, you know what I'm going to play that again I'm mean, Because he's a little hard to understand Because he's probably Russian Or he's, I don't know if he's Ukrainian Or what he is But uh, I think he's dead on with his point Is that uh, they're there for regime change So uh, take it away sir Take it Take it away yeah. Go They're there Many
7: people in my part of the world be- believe that the reason for uh, the ISIL existence is the policy of regime change uh, that is pursued by uh, the U.S. and uh, the American allies. Uh, what is your response to that? I'm not going to dignify that with
5: an answer. It's something
7: of a mon- that's how we go. Uh, the, the, that's how we roll. At the State Department, the ISIL in Syria is Assad's fault. If that is the case, then what about the declassified U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency report from 2012 showing... U.S. policymakers knew that the major driving forces behind the insurgency in Syria were extremists, but went on to support the insurgency anyway, because they badly wanted Assad to be gone. They had the intelligence before ISIL was in the headlines. Now, in light of the fact that the U.S. refuses to make any deals with the Assad government, even if such a deal could help in the fight against ISIL, the State Department was asked why Washington was not so categorical not so long ago when the deal was about getting rid of serious chemical stockpiles? Why was uh, Assad a legitimate partner for the chemical weapons, and he is not a legitimate uh, uh, partner for fighting uh, ISIL?
0: I just uh, this is uh, this is this is by the way, if you're listening only, this is John Kirby, and he has the best faces ever.
5: I, I don't remember anybody calling him a partner.
7: Bashar al-Assad may not have been called a partner, but he did comply with the agreement brokered by Moscow. And John Kerry even expressed his appreciation. Take a listen.
1: I think it's also credit to the Assad regime for complying rapidly as they are supposed to. Now we hope that will continue.
7: Russia and the U.S. are now at loggerheads over how to fight ISIL. Washington says supporting Assad in the fight against ISIL is quote-unquote not a winning strategy. Russia says whatever the U.S. has been doing so far is not working. <laughs> so maybe it's time for the U.S. to change its strategy. Yeah. In Washington, I'm Ganesh Chakyan, RT.
0: Ganesh. I don't quite know what their uh, argument would be, to be honest with you. Uh, it seems like they, the Washington, doesn't, Washington doesn't have a very good defense here. And, of course, Washington is a little distracted right now because Russia is not the only big nation knocking on their door. Apparently, China continues to flex their muscles. New
2: revelations from the Pentagon that Chinese warships off the coast of Alaska came much closer to American shores than previously reported. The five ships spotted earlier this week in the Bering Sea, which just happened to coincide with President Obama's trip to Alaska. National security correspondent Jennifer Griffin joins us live from the Pentagon with the update. Jennifer, what is the Pentagon saying about these Chinese
6: vessels?
4: Well, Greg, at the press conference here at the Pentagon yesterday, they would not say much publicly, but privately, we're told that once reports emerged in the press about the presence of the Chinese warships in the Bering Sea while the president was visiting Alaska, shortly thereafter, for no apparent reason, the Chinese naval vessels reversed course. Pentagon officials confirmed that privately to us yesterday. What's notable is that these warships had been exercising with the Russian Navy in the Sea of Japan just days before a strange alliance of unnatural bedfellows. We saw this in the Mediterranean after the start of the Syrian conflict. Chinese warships exercising with the Russian Navy very far from home. A clear message to NATO not to get involved in Syria, Greg.
2: Jennifer, anything notable about the Chinese military parade in Beijing yesterday?
4: Well, it's not new, but the Pentagon certainly took note when they saw the Chinese ballistic missile known as a carrier killer, a direct challenge to the U.S. Navy in the Pacific. They were on full display, as, of course, was the J-31 fighter jet that is remarkably similar in design to the American F-35, the most expensive program in Pentagon history, plans of which were reportedly stolen by the Chinese. The Pentagon press secretary was asked about the Chinese parade.
2: People know the strength of the
0: United States, the strength of our military. Hoorah! And uh, I think it's uh, safe to say that we don't need to display it at parades necessarily. That's right. For people to understand what the United States is capable of. Big bows.
4: What really caught people's attention, though, was the president of Vladimir Putin in Beijing yesterday. Greg?
2: Jennifer Griffin. Jennifer, thanks for thanks
0: much. Jennifer. Great work there, Jennifer, from your room in the Pentagon with a huge TV screen behind you that makes it look like it's super cool. Hey, before we run, uh, I wanted to mention just a couple of things because we have just a wrap up clips to get to now and uh, the, uh, wind the show down. I wanted to just say I wanted to appreciate your support over at Patreon.com/unfilter. We've got 421 of you, and uh, so there's going to be some bumps along the way, and I'd really like to request that you continue to support the show during these uh, transitions of the roadshow. Um, my original plan was to have a sort of reverse role of Chase and I. Uh, I would I would come into the studio remotely, and then Chase was going to fire off the clips boop 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 boop, and uh, we would do our commentary that way. He would run the board basically. We'd switch roles, um, and while I was on the road, however, he actually ends up having a family emergency and needs to take a couple of weeks off, which happens to come up right while I'm on the road trip major, major plan change. So uh, I'm going to still continue to try to do the show from the road, but it might be a little different. I don't know exactly what that means. Maybe it means I can't do it live, or maybe it means um, I I only do three stories, but I do like two episodes a week or something. Like I'm going to just try to keep us up on pace because things are really starting to build. Uh, The uh, congressional recess is over, and uh, as we get closer to the end of the year, there's going to be a lot of stories that start to stack up, and things are going to move a little bit faster now that the summer is over. So I don't want the coverage to drop off. But I also know that it means things are going to be a little different for a few weeks and I just ask for your faith that uh, we'll right the ship once things uh, – once the road trip's over and Mr. Chase is back. But also from a back-end production standpoint, uh, producer Matt is still going to be just as dedicated as ever and he and I are going to work collaboratively while I'm on the road together. So content-wise, uh, nothing really should change there because the same two people will be working on, on all of the research and content for the show. Um, and so that'll be going on, and uh, you know, it, it is at a time where we're also going to increase the cost of the show because I'll have an editor who is editing together um, my remote copy, so it sounds great. And that, so now we have a producer and an, edit, an extra editor for this show. So it really is a time where we could definitely use your support, even though the show may be, may be a little awkward for a couple of weeks while we make while we make all of these. Like while I'm doing the road trip, and takes chase takes some time. So it's going to be a time where I'm going to have to ask for your faith and maybe even ask for a little more support than normal even though things are going to be a little different for a bit. And uh, if you'd like to keep us going, unfilter.com – oh, geez, I should should get unfilter.com. Patreon.com slash unfilter and we could use your support there as a bit of a sign of confidence that, yeah, even though you know it's bumpy, you want us to keep going. And uh, getting those numbers up a little bit would help that a lot. Patreon.com slash unfilter. Also, for you supporters, be sure you check out the Essentials Pick – PICS folders. We've talked about this uh, a little bit in the past Uh, like uh, uh, McCullis, I think is how you say it, he submitted uh, a a clip for the Essentials
6: folder. But uh, General Alexander um, if Dick Cheney uh, were elected president and wanted to detain and incessantly waterboard every American who sent an email making fun of his well-known hunting mishaps uh, what I'd like to know is does the NSA have the technological capacity to identify those Cheney bashers based upon the content of their emails, yes or no? No. Can I explain it? Yes.
0: So then it goes in, uh, do you want me to play it? Okay, yeah, I'll play it.
6: The uh, the question is where this are is the Keith Alexander. and where is NSA's coverage? I assume by your question that those in emails are in the United States. Correct.
0: So these kind of things, where we have uh, where we have uh, like these hearings, uh, another another clip that actually worked out really good is uh, Cyboest uh, Nindreas, I think is how you say it, or Andreas. He sent in a clip from Unfilter One Hundred Eight of us and uh, our coverage of the Gaza situation. Like, well, here is the intro clip to let
1: them continue to shoot.
6: Mm-hmm. And I, I think you'd understand that's not a real option. Or we can act as is surgically as is humanly possible in a very difficult combat situation. Well, the that's most what we're unfortunate endeavoring to thing do.
2: is that despite the most sophisticated weaponry in the whole of the Middle East, you have proved a very serious point. You do not have the capacity, you cannot forensically attack an urban area without killing women and children. Ergo, you have factored in that you will kill children and women.
0: And then they cut from that into the actual – he cut from that into the actual show where we have the discussion about the Gaza situation. Gaza and uh, Hamas really. And uh, I thought that was nice because uh, it, it, it kind of can capture an important discussion point in the show. So those kind of clips are all great. So, so to recap, you have no idea what I'm talking about. In our subreddit, unfiltered.reddit.com, we're asking for unfiltered essential clips. Things that we can use that we can populate these folders with that are, like, really great go-to clips. We've played a couple other examples in previous episodes recently, and we'd really like to get uh, your take on them. You can go read more about it at unfiltered.reddit.com. We're still searching. So I want to wind down, uh, not with a high note, but with really 2015's problem. And it's going to continue on in 2016, especially, I think, with the new iPhone uh, 6S. This problem is just going to get worse and worse.
1: Um, On the Iran deal... I know you're going to disagree with this analogy in a sense, but there's an expression in sports about a team backing into the playoffs.
0: This is a, a White House press briefing, if you didn't catch that already. Josh Ernest up on the podium taking questions.
1: Playoffs because another team lost. And with having to sustain a filibuster to avoid disapproval from Congress, is the president upset that he couldn't get even one Republican. Sorry. Perhaps to sign,
0: If you didn't catch it, uh, somebody's Siri uh, fired off there in the crowd. Here, I'll try to back up a little bit before they start cackling. Perhaps I'm to not sign, sure What you want me to <laughs> change? <laughs> okay. Well, that was on time. <laughs> <gonna> die, <laughs> Is the president... There you go. There you go. If that's not going to define our ch- one of our first world problems going forward, I don't know what is. That's nuts. All right, so join us next week for 159 as we start to try to cover this stuff from the road. A little bit of change up at the last minute, but I am always up for a challenge. So why not? I know I said at the top of the show, but that supporter think. producer Matt was a madman this week. Well, we also have so much stuff from the election that I decided. I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes the election stuff it isn't getting me anymore. The Hillary email stuff continues, but it didn't quite grab my attention this week, but we do have coverage on that. We also covered some more stuff in the Supporter Show. Don't forget, when you become an Unfilter supporter over at patreon.com slash unfilter, you get access to the Supporter Show, which is much longer, includes more clips. And when you get to the $5 amount or more, then you get access to all of the source code for this show. I'm not so sure if we're going to be live, but if we are, I'll try to put it on the calendar over jupiterbroadcasting.com calendar during the road trip. And, of course, jblive.tv be where you watch that and I'll try to get the word out from time to time on what's changing to our patrons over at patreon.com unfilter thank you Jordan I will continue to fight the good fight thank you to producer Matt good luck to Mr. Chase with his challenges uh, it's unfortunate that he couldn't be here this week he wanted to be here this week I saw him on Saturday and I talked to him a little bit he wanted to be here but it just wasn't going to work out. You can go still, you know, I'm not sure if he's actually doing any of his shows. I'd say you can go check him out at Geek Gamer, but you can probably follow him on Twitter. He's at Nunes. I'm at L Don't forget about that subreddit, unfilter.reddit.com. That's where you go to set the tone for a show. Make some topic suggestions. Engage with the community. Grab our attention. Unfilter.reddit.com. That really does help a lot. Also, there is the feedback page. You can go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. And choose Unfilter from the drop-down. Remember, Unfilter helps clean out your brain every single week, so that way you don't go crazy. you got to tune back in to clean out the pipes. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you right back here next week.